Habakkuk chapter number two in verse number two. Now I've done been talking long enough that if you're going to find it, you already have. And if you have it, let's just look at the screen up here. All right. And the Lord answered me and said, what did he say? Say it again. Write the vision and say it again. And Upon the tables that he may run that readeth. Now that word run means to hasten. That means to get after it. Are y'all with me? To get at, look at your name and say, we got to get after it. We got to, we, 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 it's, it's the same, it's the same principle that Jesus, when he was a, a young man, you remember when, when Mary and Joseph lost him? Y'all remember that when he was a young man? Uh, 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 12 years old in the temple confounding the wise and they came to him and said, uh, how in the world have, have you, what, what have you done to us? You, you, you need to, you have scared us to death. Yeah. And this is what Jesus responds to him. Wished you not that I must be about my father's business. Yeah. Now that phrase, if you take that phrase and look it up in your Strong's concordance, it means to get an early start. Are y'all with me? Say amen. To get an early start. And I think the first day of the year is as good a day as any to get started. And all God's people say it. So let's read it in concert. Can we put that back on the screen there if you don't care? Uh, in, in Fairview, now I want you to read it so loud I can hear you over here. All right, you ready? Here we go. And the Lord, and everybody, everybody, you ready? And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your mercy. We're thankful for your faithfulness. Lord, it is so good to come back into your house and to celebrate who you are and what you have done for us. Now, Lord, help us to declare your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to declare the vision and make it plain, make it simple, make it understandable. Lord, I pray that every ear in this room can comprehend what we're trying to say today. And God will thank you and we'll praise you. We'll give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Uh, understand this, understand this, that uh, as a church, as a church, we do not just come for the sake of meeting together. We do have an agenda. We do have a goal, if you will, or a purpose or a vision. What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to, let's use the word produce. Say that with me. What are we trying to, all right, a church is just like a factory, Right? A church is just like a factory. A, a, a chair factory produces chairs. A cheese factory produces Y'all pretty sharp. See what I did there? See what I did there? We're, we're supposed to be producing something. In other words, at the end of the year, if we're not any different than we were when we started last year, we failed as a church. And so we want to be, we want to be an organization. We want to be a, a, a building. We want to be a church. We want to be a program, if you will, that is producing some things. And so I, I, I just give you three. The, the word says, and I'm going to be obedient to the word, make it plain. Now you've been going here long enough that you know you have the plainest preacher on the planet. And that's good. 
That means when you leave here, you're going to know what I said. Because if you don't know or understand what I said, you're not going to be able to go do what I said. And if you can't do what I said, then you're not going to be a doer of the word, but a hearer only, only deceiving yourselves. Amen. So what do we want to produce this year? What do we want to produce this year? Three, three types of people or three uh, uh, characteristics of the same person. Now, now this is not, uh, oh, some of y'all are going to be the first one. Some of y'all are going to be the second one. Some of y'all, no, 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 no. All of you are going to be all three. Does that make sense? Okay, number one, number one. If you're writing notes down, write this down. First of all, first of all, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.11, 4.11, it's right there under your notes. And he gave some talk. This is talking about the church as a whole. When he said he gave some, all right, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. These are gifted people that he's given to the church to develop, to develop people in the church. Watch this, what he says for, for the perfecting of the Saints. saints, for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, here's what I want you to write down. First of all, we're going to develop edified saints. Edified saints. And this is going to be a lot. Now, I know what you're thinking, but I promise you, wait till I'm through. Edified saints. The word edified means to build up, to strengthen, to mature. When he says the perfecting here, the word perfecting doesn't mean without, without flaw. It means mature, mature, developed. All right, complete saints, Romans one, seven to all that be in Rome, beloved of God called to be what saints, first Corinthians one, two unto the church of God, which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. Now, now let's talk about this a minute. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I, I hear well-meaning Christians a lot. I hear well-meaning Christians a lot use terms when it comes to themselves as a believer, as a believer. There's even a popular song, and I kind of like the song. I kind of like the song. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a cool song and everything, but it's, it's kind of a little bit unbiblical. Do you realize, do you realize that throughout the whole New Testament, through the entire New Testament, not one single time did it use the word sinner in reference to a believer. Not one single time. Now, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say because I looked this up and broke it down and studied it. You're going to say, oh, but Paul said uh, uh, of sinners of whom I am chief. He was in reference to his past life. Are y'all with me? So nowhere, nowhere through the Old Testament, or excuse me, the New Testament, when it comes to believers, when it comes to saved people, does it use the term sinner? It uses the term, uh-oh, some of y'all don't even believe it about yourself. It uses the word saint, saint, everywhere to the saints, to the saints. You're called to be a saint. For the edification of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. Now, here's why I I, want to be really, really specific here and really dogmatic about this. Because I'm afraid that when we use certain terminology, 
it gives us an ability to make excuses for wrongdoing. You hear, you hear Christians, you hear Christians, you'll say, you know, uh, you know, that, that, that right there. And, and this is what they'll say. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm not a saint. Well, if you're saved, you are. And we'll use that. We, and I've, I've seen it. Well, I, we all sin every day. You're not supposed to. When it comes to saints, if they sin, it was an accident. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Do you know what the term sinner means? Look up, look it up, look it up in, you can look it up in your, your Strong's Concordance or you can look it up in 1828 Webster's Dictionary. It means sinful. Sinful. Sinner means sinful. What does sinful mean? Full of If that's you, you need to get saved. If you are habitually if you are habitually living and practicing sin, you're not saved. A saint will sin, but they will be broken. They will be sorry. It will be an accident. Hello. Say, but I pray to prayer. But how are you living? What is your habit? What is your lifestyle? What is your lifestyle? Hey, well, I tell you, preacher, I just believe that, you know, you can get away from God. I do too. I believe you can get away from God, but I believe God will beat the devil out of you. If you truly belong to him, sinner, let's look it up. Let's look it up. We're having fun this morning, ain't we? First day of the year. Saint. He says, you're called to be. Oh, Hey, listen, this is just the first point, guys. Called to be, everybody say it loud. Called to be saints. A saint. Here's the definition. Clean. Oh, okay. If you got your notes in front of you, help me. Clean. Holy. What's that word? Godly. Godly. The word godly. I looked it up. Webster Dictionary, 1828. Living in obedience to God's command. Are you clean? Are you holy? Are you godly? Are you attempting this in your lifestyle? Is this a goal for you? Watch this. 2 Corinthians 7 1. 2 Corinthians 7 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us. Come on, everybody. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Watch this now. Perfecting, perfecting in the, you know what, you know what I've learned that the more you fear God, the holier you want to be. And I'm afraid there's, there's a, a real lack of the fear of God in the people who claim to be Christians. Because if you truly feared God, you wouldn't be doing the things you're doing. You wouldn't be living the lifestyle you're living. He says, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us perfect holiness in the fear of God. First Peter 1 Peter 1.15. But as he which is, uh, excuse me, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye 
in all manner of conversation. Now, the word conversation is not, when we use the word conversation, we're talking about talking to a brother. That means behavior. That means your lifestyle, your behavior. We're to be holy in our behavior. Listen, this is not a Sunday morning thing, and then you on Monday, you just go back to what you were. No, 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 no. You're supposed to be the same on Monday as you are on Sunday. There's not a separation when it comes to God's children. There's not a secular life and a spiritual life. Your whole life is spiritual. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now watch this now. This is great right here. This is great. You know what? You'll, you'll, see, you'll see people who live a lifestyle or who do certain things, and then they will call you a legalist if you call them out on it, and you'll say, oh, the grace of God. You just don't have no grace. You're supposed to have grace. Well, I believe in grace. I do. I believe in grace. I believe in mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Are y'all with me? Grace is God's unmerited favor. In other words, God having favor on you and you didn't even earn it. That's grace. And I believe in grace and I believe we need to show grace, but I don't believe we ever need to use grace as an excuse to live a lifestyle that's unbiblical. Let me prove it. Let me prove it. Titus 2.11, for the grace, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, and I'm thankful for that, for by grace are ye saved. You know what that, what that means? It's your salvation, your salvation was not because you was good. Your salvation is because he was good. Your salvation is simply because he had grace upon you. Say amen. We were guilty and undeserving, but his grace. Now watch. It brought salvation, but watch what else it does. See, we, we like to conveniently live this out, leave this out. This same grace that brought you salvation. Look what it does. It teaches us. Say that with me. It, it teaches us. Denying ungodliness and we should live and and in this. Uh oh. I just took some bullets out of some of y'all's gun. Oh, preacher, you just judging. No, I'm not. You just don't have no grace. Yeah, I do. But the grace that I've got teaches me to live right. It doesn't give me a license to misbehave. It doesn't give me a license to live contrary to the word of God. No, the grace that I got, it teaches me to obey God. It teaches me to survey and search the scriptures to know how God is and what God thinks and how God wants me to live and to do my very best to live it. That's the grace that I got. Now, if you got a grace that doesn't teach you that you need to behave, that you don't need to follow the scriptures, that you need to come out from among them and be ye separate. Listen, if you don't have a grace that says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, you need to get another grace. Because the grace of the Bible... Yes, it does provide salvation for undeserving, unloving, listen, unmerited sinners. 
But once that sinner becomes a saint, that same grace will teach you to love God, to fear God, and to serve God. Preacher, what are you going to do this year? I'm going to develop saints. Quit calling yourself a sinner. Quit calling yourself a sinner. I know the context and I, I, get, I understand that. But you need to start calling yourself a saint. Maybe you'll start acting like one. You're a saint. I was listening to, some of y'all are not going to get this, not going to like this, but it, it, it made a bell go off in my head. I was listening to a speaker speaking and it was at a, it was at a, uh, uh kind of like a marriage retreat kind of thing, a conference there. And, uh, and, uh, and, and he was speaking and he was talking about your words have power. Your words have power. He said, matter of fact, you married folks in here. He said, men don't call her mama. Don't, don't, don't comment. Just listen. Don't call her mama. She ain't your mama. If you keep calling her mama, she's going to start acting like your mama and start telling you what to do. He said, call her lover. Sweetheart. My bride. Honey pie, sugar doodle, snookums. He said, do you want her to act like your mama or your baby doll? From that moment on, I ain't never used mama again. Period. Hello. I know some of y'all are thinking this is silly, but there's some, there's some, there's some truth to that. Listen, don't call yourself a sinner. Because all that's going to do is giving you an excuse to be one. Call yourself a saint. Keep calling yourself a saint. And, and that will give you motivation to live up to one. I don't, don't think it's bad. I know. I know some of y'all, well, I'm not going to call myself a saint because they're going to think I'm arrogant and all that. No, they're not. Listen, the people that's going to think you're arrogant, they're not even trying anyway. Quit worrying about what they think. They're not here to help you. They say, oh, they're going to think I'm judgmental. Let them think what they're going to think. I'm helping myself. I'm going to call myself a saint. And I, uh, listen, I, and then, then the Holy Spirit will say, are you living up to that? Would a saint do that? Hello. Let's go to point two. Y'all are enjoying this point so much. We'll just go on to the next one. Saints, guys. We're supposed to be saints. We're not supposed to be a big crowd of people who's just living any old way and coming and just thinking, oh, just thank God for his grace. Shacking up, fornicating, sex out of marriage, living together, cheating on, at work, doing everything in the world, and then coming here and then brag on the grace of God. Well, you don't have the grace of the Bible because the grace of God will teach you not to act that way. We need saints in here. We need saints in here. Matter of fact, the sinners out there need some saints in here. Well, they're a bunch of hypocrites. I'm afraid some of them are right when they say that. We're saints. We're saints. Not sinners, saints. Some of you sinners need to become saints. Number one, this year we want to produce, number one, everybody say it. Edified saints. Number two, 
We want to produce evangelizing soul winners. Evangelizing soul winners. We want to understand what our purpose is. We're not here to pamper each other. We're not here. This is not a social club. Well, I just come for the fellowship. Well, you need to get a little more than that. You need to understand that God has given us a command. It's called the Great Commission. And all God's people say it. Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and... Come on. And he that... James 5.20. James 5.20. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from... And shall hide a multitude of sins. Sharing your faith. Do you understand how big a deal that is? And how important that is? Let me read it again. He which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. This is coming straight from Jesus. Matthew 4, 19. And he saith unto them. Everybody. And he saith unto them. Now, follow me is more than just go where I'm going. The term follow me is not only go where I'm going, but do what I do. Does that make sense? Follow me. If we follow Jesus, watch what he's going to say. Watch what what he's going to do. Follow me and... Say it again. And I will... Have you been fishing? Have have you been fishing? Are, Are you a... Do you claim to be a follower of Christ? Well, if you claim to be a follower of Christ and you've not been fishing for men, are you really following Christ? Because Christ said, I came to seek and to save that which was Matthew 28. I I was reading, I was reading, studying, studying on this and, and there are many Bible scholars. You know, if you go and read you'll find that that Jesus met with different people after his resurrection. And one time he met with above 500 at the same time. In other words, he's got a crowd of over 500 people at the same time. And many Bible scholars believe that that at that time and that point is when he said these words right here. So he's not just speaking to the disciples, to the apostles. He's speaking to believers. Okay, he's speaking to believers. Now watch what he says. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, go ye. Look at his neighbor said, that's you. You are ye. Come on, tell them. You are ye. Now tell them this, ye is me. So that covers all of us, right? Every person in here. Watch this. Go ye therefore and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, now let me help everybody. Let me help everybody. And those folks that don't think we need to be planting churches overseas. Who's speaking right here? Jesus is speaking. How many of y'all believe he's the boss? 
Now, if you're saved, if you're truly born again, he is your Lord. Right? He is your Lord. Your boss. He's your boss. And he's just told us what to do. Right? Now, watch this. Why do we... Matter of fact, right before I walked out here, right before I walked out here, I checked my email and and we got prayer requests from uh, Jared. Jared Nelms is the vice president at TTI. And it was, it was prayer requests from overseas, from some of the places that we have planted churches, uh, Tanzania, uh, 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 Democratic Republic of Congo, Nigeria, Southeast Asia. Uh, and different people are, are going through, I'm, I'm talking about just literal hell on earth being persecuted because they are, they are proclaiming the gospel. We think we're persecuted if it's raining on the way to church. But we are having people with their houses being burnt down, their jobs being lost because they believe and profess Christ as their savior. Are y'all with me? And these are the people we're supporting. These are the people that we are sending money to to help plant churches to propagate the gospel. Why are we doing that? Everybody listen real good. And I hope the one that's mad is watching on the internet and, and understand why we do this. Because he commanded us to. Go ye therefore. Preach the gospel to who? All. Everybody say it. All. Now I can't physically go because I got to preach to you. And you, some of you can't physically go because you've got families here and you've got jobs and you've got responsibilities. But we can give to those who are willing to. And guess what? You count. That goes on your account. In other words, it's just as if you were there teaching them the Bible. You were there spreading the gospel. You were there planning churches. They are doing it by proxy because you sent them. Now, let me, let me help you with something. I know some of you are going to be mad and, and that's okay. But let me help you not to be mad. Here's what to do. Here's what to do. If the church, this is great advice, guys, and this will help you at home too. If the church ever does something, if the church ever does something of this nature like this, and you say, well, I don't like that. Here's a simple solution. Keep your mouth shut and don't give it. Just don't give to that. Give to something else. I'm, I'm, I promise you, if you come to me and say, preacher, I don't want to give my money to that project. I'll give you five others you can choose from. But don't get mad. Don't, this, this is America. It's still a free country. So I preach, I don't like that. Well, you can give to the building program. You can give to the team program. You can give. There's so many other things. But don't get sideways and mad over something that you don't like. Do something different. But don't cause grief over us trying to obey a direct command from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to develop soul winners. I want to develop people who are sharing their faith. The greatest danger to America is not socialism. It's not communism. It's not the homosexual agenda as as raging as it is right now. Let me tell you what the greatest danger to America is. It's Christians who will go to church every week and never open their mouth when they go out of church. 
and never tell what they've got. I've never understood this. You'll go, you'll go to Cracker Barrel and you'll eat that new stuffed chicken uh, uh, stuffing uh, deal and it'll be good to you. And you'll leave and tell everybody in the world about that stuffed chicken at Cracker Barrel. And you'll come in here and hear the greatest news that's ever been told and leave and don't tell nobody. That's got to change. Now, now listen, I'm not just telling you something I want to do. I'm telling you something we're going to do. We've got it already in the calendar to do a, a, a new training. You know, we've done uh, last year the, the sharing your faith training. We're going to do it again. Uh, at the, I think it's at the beginning of February. At the end of January, beginning of February, we're going to train more people. We're going to train more people. We're going to keep training people. We're going to do DMD. We're going to keep doing this. We're, you say, when are we going to quit? When Jesus comes. At the end of this year, I want a bunch of saints to walk out this building and tell everybody they know who Jesus is. At least tell them what Jesus did for you. So our, our vision, I don't know if I can make it any plainer. I've been trying to be as plain as I can be today. Our vision, number one, is to develop edified saints. Saints. Say it with me. That's right. Number two, we want to develop evangelizing soul winners. Number three, this is a biggie. I know you're not going to think it is, but it is. We want to develop enduring soldiers. Enduring soldiers. Write that down and look at me. Enduring soldiers. I don't, I don't know if y'all pick up on things. I don't know if y'all pick up on things. But for the child of God and a true blue, sure enough Christian, it's getting rough. And it's going to get rougher. I've been, I've been trying to let stand out different articles in the news about violence. Do you know, do you know that Disney World had to put out a bulletin? And now they give it to everybody that goes to Disney World. They give out a, a, a warning or an explanation because there's so many fights breaking out in the happiest place on earth. That's the truth. I read it in an article this week. I'm like, I mean, they, they, they advertise the happiest place on earth and they're having fights. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Jesus said, Jesus said, in the last days, it will be as the days of Noah. And if you study the days of Noah, the Bible says the earth was filled with violence. You're having, you're having fights at shopping malls. You're having patrons. This is on video. Go look it up. Go look it up. They're having patrons in, in the Waffle House throwing chairs at the cooks in the Waffle House. Brawls breaking out in the middle of Walmart. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you, guys, open your eyes. We're in the last days. Paul told Timothy, Paul told Timothy, in the last days, perilous. The word perilous means dangerous. Perilous times shall come. We're there. 
I was at Walmart today. Not today. One day this week, me and Austin, Austin had to go into Walmart to get something and I didn't feel like going in there. So I said, I'll sit out here. I pulled around and y'all know that, y'all know that fire, uh, you know, the place you're not supposed to park in the front. Well, I was there. I was there. I didn't leave it. I was in there. Some fire truck. I can move. Amen. Anyway, come on, saint, do what you're supposed to do. Anyway, I wasn't acting like a saint that day. I was tired. I didn't want to, I was sitting there. I was sitting there and, uh, waiting for Austin to come out and I was paying attention, you know, in case, well, there was a young, two, two young girls pulled up in front of me, kind of catty cornered like that. And I was, I was sitting there and, uh, I'm sitting there waiting patiently and out the corner of my eye, out the corner of my eye, I see a, a parking spot open up right there at the front. I'm saying that is me right there. So I put it in reverse and I'm backing up. And I'm looking over there. Well, then out the corner of this eye, I see that car moving. So I turn around and I see them pulling. I'm like, they're going to that parking spot. And I'm feeling festive because it is Christmas. And, and I just pull back up and I just waver. I point at the parking spot. Now, what would you have took from that? I'm giving you the parking spot. Do you know what this young lady did? She gave me the dirtiest look in the world and gave me the California high sign. If you don't know what that is, it rhymes with word. Anybody need any more explanation? And I'm like, I'm giving you the parking spot. I was like, I was just, Really? And I was waiting for her to come in front of me. Because I was going to explain it. Thank God two church members came up and distracted me. But think about this. I mean, but this is kind of, I mean, it's kind of funny now that you think about it. But these two young girls didn't know if I wasn't a raging psychopath. They lucky I'm a decent preacher. Somewhat. Hello. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine if I'd have done that to a grown adult when I was that age. It wouldn't even remotely cross my mind. But it's getting worse. And worse and worse. Hey, preacher, why are you saying this? Believe it or not, some of what you're hearing coming from this pulpit is going to be deemed illegal. There's already court cases right now, already court cases right now, especially in Colorado, that's determining whether what you preach from directly from God's word, verbatim, word for word, is hate speech. Now, it's coming. Y'all might as well just buckle your seatbelt. It's coming. In America, you're going to be deemed a a criminal if you believe that Bible. I know some of y'all are thinking, oh, that's so far-fetched. Really? Let me ask you a question. Everybody look at me. I'm almost done. I got two minutes. Look. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Fifteen years ago, 
Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. You think I'm being far-fetched with this? 15 years, 10 years ago, would you ever have thought we'd be seeing what's going on in our country that we're seeing right now? So again, you think I'm being far-fetched? Let me give you what the Bible says. And, 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 and let's just skip a couple verses. I gave you verses that describe us being in a warfare. But I want to focus on one particular. Let's just skip all. Let's see, down to 2 Corinthians. No, no, no. 2 Timothy, the second one. 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. Are you there? Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Come on, everybody. Be strong. strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the thing that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. That's our, that's our job. That's what making disciples, all right? Thou therefore. First he says be strong in verse 1. Thou therefore endure hardness. hardness. Now why do you think, Paul prophetically speaking, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, told him to be strong and endure. Why do you think he said that? Because times are going to get hard. Endure means to last, to continue, to abide. Endure means to bear, to suffer without resistance or without yielding. It means to bear with patience without sinking under the pressure. To bear with patience without sinking under the pressure. Listen, I want to I develop soldiers. I want to develop saints. I want to develop soul winners. I want to develop soldiers. At the end of this year, I want people walking out this room Saintly, soul-winning soldiers. Soldiers who endure, who are tough, who are resilient, who don't let things get under their skin, who don't let tribulation and trials derail them from their focus on being obedient to Christ. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Let me read this and we'll pray. Let me read this. We'll pray. I am a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in this army at the rapture or die in this army. But I will not get out, sell out, be talked out or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I am there. If he needs me in Sunday school to teach children, work with the youth, help adults, or just sit and learn, I'll be there. He can use me because I am there. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am in place saluting my king. 
obeying his orders, praising his name, building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, foods, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, catered to. I am committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. If I end up with nothing, I will still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Give him praise and glory. Give him praise. Come on, church. Give him praise. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. I know, I, I know some of y'all can't relate to that yet. But by the end of this year, you'll be there. You'll be a soldier. You're not going to like it. It's not going to be fun. You're going to hear about things in your life you need to get out. You're going to hear about things in your life you need to get in. You're going to hear about things you need to change. You're going to hear about things you need to stop. You're going to hear about things you need to start. But listen, buckle up, honey. We're in the army. We're at war. And this is not a playground. Soldiers. Soldiers. I love that part about not having to be pampered. Not having to be petted. Not having to be baby. Preacher, I just got my feelings hurt. Well, you need, you're not in the word enough. Let me say it again. Preacher, I got my feelings hurt. You're not in the word enough. You know how I know that? Because it says, uh, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. There's something about the word of God. It'll teach you who you really are. I heard a preacher say this to a young, young preacher. He, he said, the young preacher got offended because somebody said something about him. He said, son, don't worry. You're worse than what they really said. <laughs> preacher Brown, preacher Brown, his favorite saying was, you ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. If you'll get that through your head. You ain't going to get offended no more. I wasn't nothing when Jesus found me. I wasn't nothing when he saved me. I wasn't nothing when he called me. I wasn't nothing when he sent me. Listen, John said it so well. He must increase, but I must. Paul said, let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. We're soldiers. So somebody said something, big deal. We're soldiers. And all God's people say it.